that's one of the things that I find is like mind blowing because I have people coming in and telling me that they're scared to eat more than half of a banana mm -hmm. because you know, oh my gosh, there's so much sugar. There's these carbs and fruit that that are gonna make them fat. And I'm like, well, how's that working for you? Like, you're not eating fruit now, and you're stuck. Well, hello there, and welcome to the Exam Room Podcast, brought to you by the Physicians Committee. Hi, I am the weight loss champion, Chuck Carroll. Thank you so very much for giving the show a listen this week, a download, a view if you're on YouTube. The bottom line is we appreciate the fact that you are here. This week's show is all about weight loss and inspiration. For a lot of us, when we first get started, we're so inspired. And seeing the numbers on that scale go down, 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 our spirits go up, up, up. It's a rush. But what happens when those numbers come to a screeching halt? What happens when it seems like no matter what you do, your weight stays the same? That big old happy balloon quickly deflates, and it's not long before you're ready to throw in the towel. You may even start to question why you put in the work in the first place. Welcome, my friend, to the Weight Loss Plateau, a frustrating place where you keep moving, but the scale stays still. So how do you get out of that fitness deep freeze? Well... Dietitian Karen Smith, she's going to join me with some hot takes on how to heat things right back up again. And she views the weight loss plateau a little bit differently than many who've been caught in those endless cycles of yo-yo dieting. Definitely has some good tips on how to get your weight loss and your health back on track. So that's the weight loss part of the show, but that's only half of it. Remember, this is about weight loss and inspiration. So we're going to get a little bit of inspiration from a man who knows the weight loss journey all too well. And by a little bit of inspiration, I mean a ton of it. We're talking about gobs and gobs of hope. Eric O'Grave will be joining me once again to share his incredible story. This is a gentleman who was once told by a doctor to go out and buy a grave plot because that would be his next stop. Eric was on medication after medication. He was taking pills for pills, and he was a virtual shut-in. Then he met a doctor who gave him two more prescriptions. Only these were a lot different than anything he had ever been prescribed before. The doctor told him, eat a plant-based diet and get a dog. And that was just the remedy that he needed. Eric followed those instructions to the T, and the transformation that followed is awe-inspiring. So Eric is here to tell us all about it, and for the first time he's brought the doctor with whom he credits for saving his life, She's here with him. Dr. Preeti Kulkarni, she's going to be here to talk about why she took such a unique approach with him and what it was like to witness this extraordinary success unfold before her very eyes. Such a cool story. We're going to get to that momentarily. But first, 
we have to get past that weight loss plateau. Continuing here on the Exam Room Podcast, brought to you by the Physicians Committee with the weight loss champion, Chuck Carroll. Weight loss was not the champion always. So many times I tried, I would lose a bunch of weight, and I would put it all back on. But during those times, I would always hit this peak, this plateau, and I would get so frustrated. Like, why aren't the pounds coming off anymore? And that's enough to deter so many people as they try to get fit, they try to get healthy, they try to lose that weight. It's enough to send them right back to what it was that they were doing in the first place. So when you hit that plateau, what can you do? That is my question today for dietitian Karen Smith. Follow her at runsonplantsrd.com. Welcome back to the show, Karen. Thanks, Chuck. I'm sure that this is a question that you get asked all the time from those who you work with. The plateau. Is it a myth? I've heard that no matter what diet you do, at some point you're going to hit this plateau and then magically a few weeks later, the weight is just going to start falling off again. I don't know how much truth there is to that. You tell me. Yeah, I'm not sure how much truth there is to that either, but I do see that people often hit a plateau. And at that point, it's just like, all right, we've got to reevaluate what you're currently doing because to some extent they have had success, you know, with, with a plan. Um, and then they hit this plateau and I've got two words for you that are what I always say to people, calorie density, Mm. like, let's look at that. Um, which if you're not familiar with calorie density, it's when you compare food by weight, right? So if you have a pound, a whole pound of non-starchy vegetables, guess how many calories are in that pound? Uh, It depends on the vegetable, doesn't it? On average. And a pound of vegetables, let's say 100, 150, 200? You got it. So just 100 calories. Like if you have a pound of spinach, broccoli, carrots are a little bit more, right? But that's that's a whole lot of food. A pound of spinach is a lot of spinach. A lot of spinach. Until you cook it down, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. (laughs) But if you make a salad out of that, forget it. Like you better have a big bowl. You'd be chewing all day long. Yeah, right? Right? Or at least for an hour or so. So... Then you've got fruits, right, at only yeah. about 300 calories per pound. And that that's one of the things that I find is, like, mind-blowing because I have people coming in and telling me that they're scared to eat more than half of a banana mm-hmm. because, you know, oh, my gosh, there's so much sugar. There's these carbs and fruit that, that are going to make them fat. And I'm like, well, how's that working for you? Like, you're not eating fruit now, and you're stuck. So how about you trust me on this one and start eating more fruit? It absolutely will not lead to weight gain. Absolutely will not. It is never, ever, ever, ever the fruit um, that is causing somebody to gain weight. and, and like that's one of my biggest frustrations for sure. So caloric density, I, I just looked this up when you said 300 calories. I was like, okay, well, what on the McDonald's menu is 300 calories? Egg McMuffin. 300 calories. You think about the Egg McMuffin. When I was still eating that, it never filled me up. Even with the hash browns and the coffee and all of that went with it, it would never fill me up. But then you talk about a pound of fruit for 300 calories. You talked about caloric density. And you can also talk about nutrient density there oh, as well. Oh, absolutely. And it's just night and day. You eat a pound of mango, you're going to be full, right? Right. 
Yeah, and it isn't just about the calories, right? It just happens to be a really good way to frame it for people. Um, you know, using like calorie density chart as I do, but it is all about the nutrient density, yeah. right? If you're eating low calorie density foods, you're eating whole plant-based foods, you're eating nutrient dense foods. So it's not just about the calories, it's about the types of food that you're eating and the quality of those foods. And that Egg McMuffin didn't fill you up because you know, it's one of those foods that's hyper palatable, you, you, you know, super processed, low in fiber, like there's nothing there that is fueling your body in a positive way. Right, right. I like that term hyper palatable. I haven't heard that one yet. No, no I'll read the pleasure trap. That's pretty cool. <laughs> hyper palatable. And it was. I mean, I think that all fast food is designed to be hyper palatable. Yeah, they want to get you addicted. So you keep going back through that drive through day after day. Girl, have, have I told you my Taco Bell addiction story? I've heard it. Yeah. I mean, that is they Taco had Bell. That, that is hyper palatable for sure. Um, so we... Here's the thing, though, right? So you talked about fruit. And so many people nowadays, like, the big thing is to, to cut fruit out of your diet, to uh. cut carbs out of your diet. Fruit is carbs, so it's got to be the devil, right? Like, so if somebody has There's hit that plateau, right? So little truth in that, though. Like, right. what what are people basing that on? It doesn't make any sense. So we've got our diet. Our diet is is the number one cause of mortality in this country, right? Yeah. We've got dietary risk factors, the number one cause of death. What is one of those dietary risk factors? Low consumption of fruit. Right. The average American eats one serving of fruit a day, right? Like we heard one of my, actually not one of my, my favorite dietitian, Brenda Davis, give a talk yesterday saying people should be consuming at least 10 servings of fruits and vegetables every single day nice. if they want to live a long and healthy life, right? right? So like we're nowhere near that. It is not the fruit that people need to be worried about yeah. in terms of weight or in terms of disease prevention or reversal. The same is true for diabetes. Like people, again, afraid to eat fruit because they're often told like by health professionals often, you know, thinking that fruit is going to send their blood sugar through the roof, um, which it often doesn't, but, but even if it does elevate their blood sugar momentarily, like we want to treat the root cause of that disease right, right. and not just look at that symptom of having a, a high blood sugar and trying to, uh, only manage that, that one thing. Right. Yeah, and, yeah. and fruit consumption for people with diabetes is one of the absolute best things to set them up on a path to diabetes reversal and not having complications of diabetes down the road. Have you talked to the mastering diabetes guys, Cyrus and Robbie? Oh yeah. I love those guys. Oh, they, they are the best. Um, so you talk about people are getting this advice from medical professionals. It reminds me of, um, I remember I was working with a nutritionist slash trainer at one point this is before I went plant-based, you know, and I was talking about, you know, healthy foods, just generally speaking. And I asked her, you know, what, what fruit do you eat? She's like, I don't eat fruit, dude. And I was like, what? Like that, it just seems so foreign to me. She's like, it makes you fat. I was like, what, what do you, what? Like, show me the research that says that, right? So people make all these claims. They don't support it. People buy into it for whatever reasons, right? Like, um, personally, I try to have 
at least five fruits a day. You know, yeah. I think I told you, like, get to the hotel room last night. There's a box of fruit there waiting for me. I ate almost Best the entire thing. Yeah. You know, and I, I didn't wake up three pounds heavier than than right, I was right. yesterday. You know, right, I right. went on a great run. And um, that's that's just normal for me. Like, fruit fills you up without ever being in excess of calories. Yep. I think I, I should point out that she later told me that, so he said it, it makes you fat. That's what she said. But she also said that she was training at that point for one of these fitness competitions and had to have the six pack or, you know, eight pack, whatever it was she was going for, just, you know, ripped all to heck. And, um, and she thought that, you know, fruit would prohibit her from doing that. You work a lot with athletes. You're a runner yourself. Is there any truth to that myth that you can't be chiseled if you're eating fruit? Uh, no. All right. There you go. <laughs> Mic drop. Um, I mean, I think we can look at a lot of athletes. Rich Roll, for example, you know, he he is amazingly, like, ripped and competes in these ultra-endurance um, competitions. And, you know, ask him what he eats. There's going to be a lot of fruit in that guy's daily uh, menu. And the same for me. I mean, I'm not sitting here saying, like, I have ripped abs right but you don't uh, um <laughs> if i was if, if that was something that i wanted to do um yeah i would not uh, never ever ever cut fruit out of my diet however i will say like if that is somebody's goal like i wonder what they are eating like right. i think their diet is very calorie restricted yeah. at that point when they're when they're getting ready for one of those um fitness competitions i was speaking about that with um uh dr osfeld yesterday, Dr. Robert Osfeld, phenomenal cardiologist. Uh, we were talking specifically about carbs and he, he is so frustrated by the fact that people lump all carbs into one basket. You know what I mean? It's like, yeah, people think that the carbs from fruit are the exact same that you would get from, you know, a slice of white bread or, or a donut or something along those lines. And we've talked about that also on the show previously, but for you too, as a dietitian, that's got to be like, I, I just want to pull my hair out. Yeah, well, it it goes back to this idea that we're, like, separating food into its components, right? Like, this reductionist approach where people are focusing on carbs and protein and fat and not the quality of the food that they're actually eating, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. and, and that is always what I want people to understand is that like stop worrying about those individual nutrients and think about the types of foods that you're eating right those carbohydrates in fruit those carbohydrates in whole grains like brown rice and oats that we had here this morning you know like they come packaged with a whole host of vitamins and minerals yeah tons of fiber yeah um, water things that that your body needs uh, compared to carbohydrates and, well, you mentioned a donut, right? Like, yeah. that's one of my favorite things. People say, like, oh, I don't eat carbs or I stay away from carbs or or sometimes people will say, I crave carbs. I say, well, what are you talking about? What food specifically are you talking about? If they ever say a donut, I'm like, that's not carbs, man. Like, <laughs> the most of the calories in a donut come from fat. Like, you crave fat, Yeah. right? right. So, um, uh, yeah, I think it's just we're going down this path of of not thinking about food in in a whole sense and that's that's really the direction that that people need to go um 
in order to really understand like how to best fuel their body. Well, let's let's get back to that uh, practical advice that I think that a lot of people you know can can benefit with if they feel like they've hit that plateau. So, say you're working with someone mm-hmm. and they lose some weight initially, but then they do hit that plateau and they come to you. They're frustrated. They say, "Karen, hey, I'm." I was doing great and now I've just hit this wall and I don't know what's wrong. Yep. What what do you do with them at that point to kind of, you know, get them over that hurdle? What what's Well, steps? I want to know specifically what they're eating. So okay. I'm going to ask them to share, you know, a food journal with me for sure. And I'm okay. going to say like, how many vegetables are you eating in a day? Are you eating at least a pound of non-starchy vegetables? Often the answer is no. Okay, well, bingo, let's go right there. Let's start increasing the lowest calorie density food out there. Right, right. Because that's going to displace calories from higher calorie or replace calories from foods that are higher in calorie density, right? Right, right. So let's get you filled up. You know, some of the, the, um, the weight loss research shows that if you're eating, if you're starting your meal with low calorie density foods first, right? If you're loading up on salads, vegetable soups, before you eat the rest of your meal, you are going to actually consume one to 300 calories fewer. Is that because of fiber? Because you're, yeah, you're loading up on all of these nutrient dense and low calorie density foods first. So that's a great strategy too. Like start your lunch meal, your dinner meal with a big salad. Right. Um, or have some vegetable soup uh, or, or some steamed vegetables. Doesn't necessarily have to be a salad. Right. Um, and, and it's a great way to boost up your vegetable intake too. Eat vegetables for breakfast. <gasps> what a concept. I, it's actually really good, you know, you, like a spinach and strawberry salad with a little bread or something for breakfast is on point, especially in the summertime. It is it is delicious. Um, I think that hopefully somebody has shared the show uh, with a friend or a family member who has hit that plateau and, you know, needs nutrition 101. So can you give us some examples? You, you've referenced non-starchy vegetables a number of times here. Can you give us some examples of what it is that you're talking about? Oh my goodness. So basically any vegetable that is not a potato or starchy squash, like butternut squash, right? Okay. Everything else lump it into that non-starchy category. So we're talking things like asparagus, artichokes, broccoli, Brussels sprouts, cabbage, celery, onions, um, uh, what am I, cauliflower, um, Carrots. Yeah. What am I missing? Help me out here. Spinach, kale, uh, all of those green leafy aisle. vegetables, yeah. right? So yeah. you've got like so many options to right. choose from. Right. Almost infinite numbers. Uh, so when you do get those those food journals back, though, I mean, what are the kinds of things that you're seeing from the patients? Where are they going wrong? Well, I often see that people are still afraid to increase their consumption of high carbohydrate foods, right? So right. there's a lack of whole grains often. Um, and, and they might be holding on to some some animal-based foods like meat, like, oh, I'm going to have some chicken or fish with vegetables for dinner, thinking that that's a good option for weight loss because that's what people hold on to. That's what they see all over the media, right? And yep. I'm like, that's not working for you. You've got to change it up. That dinner meal has not very much fiber when a good portion of your plate is an animal-based food right so you got to get that out and bump up the fiber that is what helps with weight loss right Um, so swap that fish or chicken for beans and rice or for a whole grain pasta with some vegetables i i guarantee like i would bet money 
on it, right? I, I, that people are going to break through that plateau when they start to focus more on the high quality whole plant-based foods. I think that you're absolutely right. And I will attest to that as well. Um, as a guy who, uh, you know, now is maintaining his weight loss, um, I, I load up on potatoes, whole grains. Like one of my favorite things in the world is, is lentil soup, you know, yeah. with, the, with the side of a whole, whole wheat pita and, and some hummus, you know, it's just like bring, bring them on. And I have never been lighter in my entire life. I have never weighed less yes. than right now. So it's awesome that you share your story because people need to hear from people like you. Like you've not only lost a significant amount of weight, you've kept it off now for how many years? It'll be 10 years in September. 10 years. Like yeah. that's huge because as you know, 90, what, 98% of people who lose weight don't keep it off for, yeah. for any length of time, yeah. you know, for greater than five years. You're doing that. Like you are... A, a living, breathing example of how well a whole food plant-based diet works to not only help you lose weight, but keep it off. Well, well let, me, let me end with this. So I was that 98% for many, many, many years. Lose the weight, put it right back on. You need to be able to, you know, really one, be ready to change, but two, when you are ready to change, open your mind. Because if you are in that 98%, I can virtually guarantee that you are also believing that fruit is unhealthy and you need to eliminate that from your diet. And you should be loading up on animal proteins, lean animal proteins to lose weight. That's the key to it all, right? Yeah, yeah. That's not true. So if you're in that 98% and you lose it and you put it back on and you think that, you know, what you're doing is supposed to work. Well, the definition, Karen, of insanity is doing something again and again over and again and, and over, again right. and expecting a different result. You have to think differently. You have to take different actions in order to get the result that you actually want. Absolutely. And what do you have to be afraid of, right? Yep. Like that's that's like, why not give this a try? Um, you, you have know, nothing to lose. Even if it's for one month, like do something different, like you said. Yeah. And one of the things I love most about coming to this conference in particular is like take a look around the room, look at all of these amazing doctors and speakers who are living examples of everything that they're recommending for their patients, right? Yep. And like, how do they look? Yep. You know, they are fit, they're active, they're healthy, they look great and vibrant because of the way that they're eating. And to me, like, you know, I want to get advice from from people who who look that wonderful you know Absolutely. oftentimes I'm like oh my goodness they you know they look decades younger than than their biological age right so it's often right yeah. am I right it's true it's amazing so like it's just a great place to be for that inspiration but like these are the people who uh, listeners should be following on Facebook and Instagram, you know, cut out all of those, those keto sites and, and, you know, follow some people who, who are actually, uh, doing what they're, um, encouraging everybody to do based on science. Right. They're also not just making this stuff up and trying to sell people products. They are, they are, uh, into the science and the research. And that's, that's what the show is all about. Science, research, fact-based, preventative medicine, and weight loss tips. Uh, Karen Smith, dietitian, check her out, runonplantsrd.com. You are a runner. Uh, so I will run over and check out your website right now. It is always a pleasure. Thanks so much for coming back on the show. We've missed you. Thanks. Yeah, anytime. <laughs> Thank you.
you're wondering why you've been hearing so many interviews recently from the International Conference on Nutrition and Medicine, it's two reasons. First, there were a ton of exciting people there to talk to. I mean, you have never seen so much hope and inspiration and knowledge in one place at one time. So of course we had to seize the opportunity and talk to as many people as possible. And second, what you may not have known is that behind the scenes we're busy building a brand new studio at the Physicians Committee. We're talking about a bigger space with new paneling and upgraded equipment and some other bells and whistles that aren't quite finished yet, but it's coming along nicely. It's just not quite done yet. But what I can tell you is that we have big plans for the show in the near future. I mean, big plans that have me all sorts of excited, and hopefully we can talk about some of them very soon. Now then, let's turn our attention back to weight loss and to the inspirational story of Eric O'Gray. Eric is the man who shed an enormous amount of weight, reversed type 2 diabetes, lowered his blood pressure and his cholesterol, and got off the mountain of medicine he was taking every single day. And he did all of that after a doctor prescribed for him two things, a plant-based diet and a dog. Eric is here now with that doctor for the very first time the incomparable Dr. Preeti Kulkarni. The Exam Room Podcast brought to you by the Physicians Committee with the weight loss champion, Chuck Carroll. I guess you could say I'm joined once again by another weight loss champion, uh, my colleague, my friend, Mr. Eric O'Gray. Why, thank you so much, Chuck, and I really appreciate your warmth and hospitality as usual. <laughs> yeah, well, it is rather warm. I mean, it's July in D.C., man. We just had triple digits out here. When was that first podcast? That was October, November 2017? 2017, wow. yeah. Two years ago now. And you've had a lot of success since then. I understand you've recently had your two millionth download. Two million. Two million Congratulations, sir. That's quite a milestone. And that's, uh, you really separated yourself from the roadkill of the internet without <laughs> Well, I'm trying. There's plenty of that out there, man. But um, thank you. And thank you for, for helping launch this thing. I mean, your story was uh, so inspirational that, you know, every time you come on, I get excited to tell it because you get more downloads, you get new listeners. And so we get to introduce you to a whole new audience again. But this time we're telling the whole story. We're, we're telling the, the complete story. And I'm so excited because not only Eric, are you here, but you have brought with you the famed Dr. Preeti Kolkarni. The doctor who saved my life. Yeah. Well, thank you for having me on the show. Well, I guess we should say thank you for saving Eric's life. Well, you know, he did all the work. I keep telling him that, that he did everything. He just followed the directions, and I think that helped him the most. She, she always tries to downplay her role in this as if it was insignificant and I did everything that's not the case at all <laughs> that is not the way that yeah. he tells it at all one little bit um let's start Eric just for a a refresher of your story because your transformation is nothing short of extraordinary and you have the book I mean you, you've just become like a, a celebrity in the plant-based community and an inspiration even outside of it I mean how many languages is, is your book in now as of today uh, nine languages just came out in German and uh, being re-released in paperback in November, I just wrote a uh, an update chapter and turned that in today. Very cool. Very cool. 
the updated chapter, I guess. What is it, Eric version 2.0? Is it, yeah, yeah, just the after story, right? The after yeah. story. The story never ends, does it? I mean, that's kind of what I'm finding too. Is like the story never ever ends. It it just continues to you know take on new directions and meanings every day, and that's quite a blessing. So my situation was <clears throat> pretty dramatic. I was 340 pounds. Uh, on 15 different medications, including 200 units of insulin for type 2 diabetes, and just really at the end of my rope, to walk 100 yards or really to stand for an hour on business, I had to stack um, uh, Tylenol, Advil, and OxyContin. It was just a wow. It was a, a real cocktail. My whole life was just a cocktail of pharmaceuticals, and I had a number of rock bottom experiences, but the the one that really hit me the hardest was going to a uh, a doctor for a company mandated physical one day, and the doctor telling me that um, looking at my approximate three foot three inch file and telling me that he'd run out of treatment options for me, and there was really nothing else that he could do, so uh, he suggested that I purchase a cemetery plot because I'd likely need one in the next five years. Uh. And that's when I decided to get a second opinion. Yeah, yeah. So uh, just by by coincidence, you know, I, I was watching TV the very next day. <clears throat> and on TV, and this was in August of 2010, I'll never forget this. And on TV was Bill Clinton being interviewed by Wolf Blitzer. And Bill had looked better than I'd ever seen him before in my entire life. His face was oval rather than round. The bags under his eyes were gone. He absolutely looked presidential, which was much different than the old uh, television uh, programs where I saw him jogging into McDonald's for, for a, a quarter pounder or whatever. Oh, yeah. He was even a yeah. Saturday Night Live skit for a while there when he first took office. Mm -hmm. He was famed for that. Absolutely. Yeah. And so he mentioned something that I'd never heard before. He said he was being treated by doctors who were involved uh, in a new book called The China Study. And they had put him on what he called a plant-based diet to uh, reverse his heart disease and also to help him lose weight, which he was very interested in doing. This was right before his daughter's wedding. Mm. So he'd lost a pretty significant amount of weight, and he really looked good. And uh, it was unusual because I had, at that point, tried every diet ever commercially marketed in the United States, you name it, and I'd done it, like with uh, Nutrisystem. I went on Nutrisystem and they sent me a box of food and the box of food was supposed to last 30 days, but I wanted to follow their, I wanted to follow their, their program and not cheat. And I always really wanted to do my best and really try out the program. And so when they sent the box of food, I ate it in three days mm. instead of 30. And I called their helpline, <laughs> their 800 number. And I said, well, do you have I mean, how long is this food supposed to last? And they said 30 days. And I said, you better send me 10 more boxes. <laughs> yeah, right? <laughs> wow. Yeah, so it went on like that. But the thing that, that really kicked out was plant-based diet. So I immediately Googled Clinton plant-based diet. And again, this was August 2010. And Google came uh, back with no search results found. Wow. Now, if you Google that same term now, you'll get over 30 million oh, hits. Yeah. Crazy. Yeah. And so, you know, I had... Uh, uh, I, I was used to doing research. I'd been to law school. I knew how to like figure things out. It's mm -hmm. one thing that I was good at. So I went ahead and I got on Google and I started researching and calling and calling and calling. And I, I called and I finally found somebody that said, you know, so I called and I said, do you know what a plant-based diet is? Because I want to try that. And with Dr. Preeti, 
she said that yes, uh, she knew what that was, and that's you know uh, she was very familiar with that, and that that may be what she'd recommended for me. But um, would I like to come in for a consultation? So mm-hmm. I said yes. So I went in for a consultation, and the thing that was different than every other doctor that I'd ever consulted with before is every other doctor's appointment that I'd ever been on ended up being a five-minute appointment with a doctor uh, probably having to see up to 20 patients that day Mm -hmm. and talking to me with a prescription pad in one hand and a a pen in the other, listening for the thing that I was complaining about most loudly that day because that's what they were going to send me home with a prescription for. And so when I was talking to Dr. Preeti and we had our consultation, what was very different about this, and unlike anything I'd previously experienced, was rather than just looking at this as an individual transaction, she treated it as something I I had no previous experience with because we talked for over an hour. And in the back of my mind, I'm thinking, how can, what's what's the scam here? How how can somebody make money doing (laughs) this if they're not just like shuffling the patients through? And she explained it to me. She said she was not there to try to just treat my symptom that I was complaining about that day, but she wanted to treat the underlying cause of my problems. And she said, if you look at it like this, if if your bathtub is overflowing and you just mop up the water coming out of that bathtub, you're going to mop until the end of time and never solve the problem. But if you reach over and you turn off the faucet, you fix the problem. You solve the underlying cause. And she said, that's what I believe. That's what I want to do for you. And so she got me to admit, she asked me a lot of questions also that nobody else had ever asked me before. And at first, I, I didn't understand how that was relevant to a to a, you know, a medical questionnaire. She got me to admit to a lot of very, you know, personal things, like I hadn't been on a date in 15 years. I'd stopped going outside of my apartment. Yep. And I really kind of like had given up on life and was waiting to die. And so she said, rather than, you know, try to get involved in all this and and, and do this, I, I think that what I'm going to tell you right now is if, if you do exactly what I tell you to do, exactly, if you follow my advice, I believe that I can. you've got a great chance of getting off your medication and returning down to your ideal weight in about a year. And I was thinking, how is this even possible? And if it is possible, how come I've never heard of this from a doctor before? And why isn't every doctor in America shouting this from the rooftops? So at the end of that first interview, rather than sending me home with um, prescriptions for more medication or whatever, she sent me home. We, we first agreed. She got me to commit to weekly appointments. So rather than just a single transaction, she wanted to help me accomplish a transformation. And in the so we agreed that I would come in every week. She would uh, she'd send me home with recipes. We'd talk about what worked and what didn't. We'd continue to fine-tune the program and, you know, go do weigh-ins and things like that and just have discussions about what was working and what was not. And she would help provide me with the information that was always lacking from every doctor's visit that I'd ever had at the end of every doctor's visit I'd ever experienced before, they would mumble about me needing diet and exercise. And I always heard it, them saying, well, you need diet with extra fries. (laughs) (laughs) So I I actually followed that advice, but I didn't know how to implement diet and exercise. And she said, I'm going to show you how to do that. And I said, wonderful. So at the end of the first meeting, she said, I'm going to prescribe a plant-based diet and also a dog from your local shelter. And I'd never had a dog before. I'd never even had a pet before. And so I thought that that was a little excessive. And how did that relate to any kind of medical advice? I didn't understand. Right. So 
I said, well, do I have to get a dog? Can I get a cat? <laughs> and she said, have you ever no. walked a cat? <laughs> and I said, no, but I think I've seen it done on TV. <laughs> yeah, and she said, just get the dog. And I said, yes, ma'am. So I went home with the new recipes after stopping at the supermarket and also got a list of what to eliminate from my pantry, what to throw out and what to buy at the supermarket. The very first night I went home and I set off the fire alarms in my apartment building because I, I didn't know how to cook. I didn't know how to do anything other than boil water and use a microwave. So I, I tried to cook beans and rice and they smoked and they had to evacuate the building and there's that fat guy causing the problems again. Black beans, not yeah. baked beans, yeah. black yeah. beans. Yeah, absolutely. And so, but I adapted and one thing led to another and uh, I did, in fact, the very next day, get on the web again and started looking at you know dogs for adoption and I, I found a local shelter that had one and there's a whole backstory related to that. Mm -hmm. But the, the point is, is that <clears throat> she taught me how to cook, or basically she taught me what to make and how to cook and how to eat and how to do all these various things and with the basic exercise I got with the dog and the plant-based nutrition and really understanding and fixing my nutrition and understanding that it's not healthy to eat uh, two extra large Domino's meat lovers pizzas in one sitting, which I had been doing. Been there. I, I was right. eating once, one a day. I was doing that once a day because then I would, every time that I ate, I experienced a food coma. I'd have to sleep for 10 or 12 hours. Mm -hmm. So I just figured that if I only ate once a day, then that would be an efficient use of my time. <laughs> that's that's the circumstance that I was in, and that's that's how we started. So, I mean, a prescription here for a whole lot of food. You're giving him nutrition advice when he walks through the door. You tell him to get a dog. As a physician, before I spoke with Eric, I had never heard of any doctor giving that type of advice. So as a physician, I, I mean, when did this whole treat the root cause, not the symptom uh, idea pop onto your radar? Because you're actually in the minority still with that. Right. So, you know, just to give you a little um, insight into my... Talk right into that. Mm, yes. Thanks. Uh, just to give you a little insight, my journey began um, with diet and nutrition as an obese teenager. Ah. And I grew up vegetarian, not vegan, but okay. vegetarian. And um, in those days, vegetarians needed to eat a lot of dairy to mm -hmm. make up for the protein deficiency or so-called protein deficiency right. from their vegetarian foods. Right, right. So um, I ended up eating a lot of dairy and that's kind of you know, by the time I was 17, I was quite overweight. And the only reason I lost all the weight is when I went to college, I didn't have to follow my parents' advice of mm. having a lot of dairy, which I never liked. And I lost about 10 pounds in six months. Mm. And uh, everybody was like, what happened? And I just said, I think I'm not drinking milk anymore and not eating cheese anymore. And that kind of started my whole journey with diet and I looked more into it. And there were other um, health concerns that led me to naturopathic medicine. Mm -hmm. And naturopathic medicine um, is one of the umbrella medicines that kind of treats, the whole point of naturopathic medicine is to treat the root cause and to treat the whole person. Um, and you know, the idea is the same. We still use the same diagnostic tools. We're still doing the same kind of testing, um, some additional testing in terms of functional 
initial testing, but the goal is to actually get to the root cause. Right. And that way, just like Eric gave the example, I use analogies like that with my patients so that they understand what we're trying to do. Because a lot, lot of people have the misconception that when you use diet and lifestyle, things take a long time to change. And like Eric has mentioned, it doesn't take that long. So if you just stick with it, maybe for four to six weeks, you'll start seeing the results. And you might have experienced that too. Like within um, a few weeks, you'll see the results. The key thing is consistency. Yeah. And it's also making sure that you stick with it and learn. Uh, I think the biggest mistake that a lot of people make is that they feel like, okay, uh, I don't know what to do. And it's kind of along the lines of what Eric said. A lot of doctors know what they have to do. They just say, oh, you need to eat less and exercise more. Right. It's that vague prescription. Right. It's like that. And some patients say, I'm already doing that. They're like, well, then something's off. You just need to change your diet. So what the difference in uh, the treatment that I try to do in my practice is I give them very specific instructions, and that helps. And a lot of patients give me that feedback, same as Eric, that you told me exactly what to do, and I was also providing them with the resources. And at the same time, the the treatment plan was catered to his needs. So, you know, it was the, the adoption of the dog, my intention with that was that he would get out of the house at least 30 minutes a day because he would have to go go out with the dog and that's why no cats reintroducing myself into society yeah literally literally yeah and that just opened up a whole different thing and i always um you know in my treatment plan we always uh, i always give people a handout it says diet and lifestyle those are the subheadings under the treatment plan diet and lifestyle and all the bullet points that they need to do for the next two weeks and then the next one brings in medications and supplements so if they're already on medications we don't initially take them off medications first thing we want to do is make sure that their body is well balanced. The medications serve a purpose at that time, but as their body starts to get back into balance, they won't need that anymore. And then, of course, you know, any labs that they need to do and all of that. So under diet and lifestyle, he had a lot of instructions. And every two weeks, they would change. So this is what you're going to do for the next two weeks. And when I say that he did all the work, is because he actually did all that homework. Well, the instru- all, all I had to do was follow the instructions. Yeah, right. Well, let me, let me ask you, as a, as a former big guy myself, uh, I, I would think that having those specific instructions, that step-by-step guide was just critical because I would be so lost without it because I was given that vague diet and exercise prescription and I leave there, okay, well, I'll eat one less chicken nugget and maybe walk an extra flight of stairs and call it good, diet and exercise. But But you got the full outline, man. All I had to do was follow the instructions and it was I felt so good so quickly. I thought that I was experiencing a miracle. The first week, I lost about 12 pounds. Now, admittedly, that's mostly water weight and all that. But the second week, five pounds. The third week, five pounds. And I felt better than I'd ever felt in my entire life. My energy, my mental clarity was off the charts. I mean, I really... To me, it felt like I had emerged from the matrix. It was that dramatic. So I went in and I asked Dr. Preeti on our our weekly visit, I said, why do I feel better than I've ever felt in my entire life? How is this even possible? And she says, congratulations, you're starting to feel normal. (laughs) I'd never felt normal before. I'd always felt as if I'd been hung over or suffering from some severe toxic response to something. And I'd gone through my entire life that way and I never knew the difference. Yeah, yeah. And you know, just if I could add in there, um, that's something that I see a lot in my practice. And that's very common for patients who are on a lot of medications because, you know, it's like, okay, your blood sugar is high, so let's give you something to bring it down. So mm-hmm. the medication will serve just that purpose. It's not actually helping 
under the underlying root cause, which ends up causing other problems, and you end up getting more medications for that. The medications themselves need to be processed by your liver and your kidneys, and that's one of the reasons that a lot of patients who are that overweight tend to feel hungover, and they're sluggish because their body is dealing with a lot of toxins that, that need to be eliminated on a day-to-day basis. And as soon as their body starts getting nourishment, just, you know, it's like, it's the, cl- it's the classic case of overfed and undernourished, and as soon as you start getting nourishment, your body starts to feel better, your energy is better, and you're, um, one of the things I always say to patients like Eric is, now you have the energy to do more. And that's, as you know, as you get better, as you start losing weight, you do need to exercise more. So initially, the prescription was just to walk 30 minutes a day, then 30 minutes twice a day, and now you're going to have, and that, he actually told me, he said, I feel like I need to do something more, and that's when he took up running. And that was one of the things we talked about, is you always have to find something that you like to do, because otherwise she you're put going it, to quit She it. put it in a perfect way. I said, well, what am I, because after I lost the weight, what am I supposed to do now? I have so much energy. I'm bouncing off the walls, and I just have more energy than I can process. She said, it's now time to find a form of exercise that you don't hate. Yeah. Because I was always complaining about exercise. Yep. I hated exercise. And so I talked to some friends. Well, just, just to cut to the chase real quick, what happened with me is I started losing, you know, four, five, four, three pounds a week consistently. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was off all my meds inside of three months, no longer using insulin. In 10 months, my A1C had dropped from 12.5 to 4.9, and I was just really, um, I was completely cured, healed, all of my things reversed on zero meds other than Tylenol for an occasional sports strain or something. But so I, I took up running after that. My, I, t- I talked to some friends and I said, well, I need to find a form of exercise that I, I don't hate. I wonder what that's going to be because I hate going to the gym. Sure. I said, well, maybe try running because with running, what will happen is you'll probably hate it for the first couple of weeks, but then you'll be running along and it's like a light switch goes off. And you go, this isn't so bad. I kind of like it. I want to go farther. And that's exactly what happened. So I started running and I, I've never stopped. I uh, have now completed about 30 full marathons. I'm going for the 50 state challenge. My man. Yeah, over 100 half marathons. And I'm really pleased to report that this year I've, I've qualified for the Boston Marathon, time qualified for the Boston, the 2020 Boston yeah. Marathon yeah. three times, yeah. which is a lifetime goal. Yeah. So, so very, very happy that, about that. That's, Thank you. Uh, that's huge, man. Yeah. That's, that's huge. Um, we'll be tracking that. We'll talk about that more in, in just a second. Uh, Dr. Preeti, I, I want to ask you, having been through the transformation yourself, how much of an advantage does that give you when working with patients? And, and I would assume you're able to identify, uh, you know, when you see their successes, you see the steps that you're going through. How helpful is it that you've been there and you've done that and you know exactly how it is that they feel? How helpful is that in terms of your relationship with the patient? It's um, That's a good question. And it's actually very helpful because I can, you know, in... Um, in one sense, I can empathize with what they're going through. Uh, there are a lot of confidence issues, and just like Eric had them that come with obesity, and you know, you're constantly aware of yourself. It's like, oh, am I too big? And how do I look in this dress? And how do I look at this? You know, so it's very, um, it it's, it's it affects all the different aspects of your well-being. So your confidence, your self-esteem, your mental, emotional health, your interactions, all of that. Um, so it definitely helped me to kind of always keep that in mind. Is that um, what 
in the practice, what how that helps me is that it helps me be more compassionate. Mm-hmm. So I'm not uh, judging the patient. If there is a patient who comes in and uh, is not as compliant as Eric was and says, hey, I couldn't do this because of so-and-so, instead of just saying, well, you got to do that because otherwise it's not going to work, we sit down and we talk about, okay, let's talk about why you couldn't do it and what is it that's holding you back and what are the alternatives. And that, I think, uh, is what really helps patients because they don't feel like they're being judged or, you know, or being like put on a program it's things are changing they're dynamic so we will change things if something doesn't work in their life plan yeah now i can explain this i think simply is when when i i spoke to dr preeti for the first time i felt something that was very unusual and different than i was normally used to experiencing in a, a doctor patient interview and that was compassion I felt that she truly cared about me, and it wasn't just an arm's length business transaction like somebody trying to sell you a car as quickly as possible. Yeah, it yeah. was more like, I am here, I'm gonna help you work through this, but you have to, what I want you to do is commit to me that you're gonna see this through. So she took me through everything, and it really kind of like related to my lifetime sales experience. She started out by asking me questions about how I felt, what I wanted to accomplish, had me put it into my own words, why I really wanted to accomplish this, asked me if she put in, invested the time with me, could she count on me to commit to see this through to the end? And really all of the commitment phases and everything else that I'm used to using in my, uh, my standard job in sales. And so, but I really felt that she cared about me and that was, I think, the big difference to me. And and so every week when I went in, I wanted to do as best as I could every week. You know, I wanted to have the, the lowest number on the scale that I could possibly get. So I started wearing in, instead of like shoes and clothes and stu- heavy clothes, I started wearing in running shorts and like <laughs> nylon shirts, you know, to minimize my weight and everything. Yeah, man. Because I wanted the maximum result every week. And Absolutely. that's really what I was striving Absolutely. for, is not to disappoint Dr. Preeti. Man, I, I get it. And, yeah. and you know, I, I hear you talking about that conversation, thinking back to the one where the doctor told you to buy you know a grave plot yeah and i remember as a teenager you know i was on high blood pressure medication in high school and the doctor told me she's like you are going to die but she said it like so matter of fact and i just remember her words being so cold that they angered me they angered me one because it was a reality check but two it was like really like I'm still a teenager. Like I haven't even graduated high school. Like w- treat me with a little bit more compassion, a little bit more kid gloves. And so I think that had a doctor approached me, even at that young age with a little bit more warmth, you know, and right. understanding that things would have been different. I wouldn't have continued down that path for another 12, 13 years, however long it was after that, you know, things could have stopped right there. And I, I guess that that's just your nature, that you're a warm person. And that's why you bring that to your practice, right? Well, maybe a little bit, but I think I've also had really, really good mentors all my life. So I've had my uncle who's, a, he's actually a surgeon, but he also sees patients because in India, if you're a surgeon, if you're a doctor, you're a doctor. People will walk into your practice no matter what kind of uh, doctor you are. So he sees a lot of patients even for free. And I've seen him as I grew up. And he said, you know, that's the first thing you need to do is to hear their story. You just need to listen to them. And that itself starts the healing process. And um, it's amazing coming from a surgeon but at the same time he is truly a doctor because he is the one who said you know first listen to their story and without judgment that's what you have to constantly keep in mind and that was from a very young age that's something I've observed and I had to cultivate that it was not easy even when I was in medical school some of my mentors you know constantly reminded us that you have to listen to the patient don't judge 
try to find and you know you're there as their mentor you're there as their coach so you need to help them identify the problem and at the same time find a solution not just say oh well this is what you got to do um, because even though that's what you want them to do they might get to it a little bit later but you have to kind of hold their hands until they're ready to do it so and that's kind of what you know builds the builds my um practice and and, and and from the patient perspective, like I, I think that it's important for physicians to realize, and, and I think that you grasp this beautifully, is that if you show a little compassion, if a patient comes in and they're in Eric's situation and they're at rock bottom, they probably don't care as much about themselves as they should. Right. They probably think that the world doesn't care about them. And so now all of a sudden, here's somebody who has some compassion, is showing some concern, showing that they care. That's motivation right there. Yes, and it's true. And you just, I think you you just said it, you know, all the right words. Um, Erica said that, and I have other patients similar to him who have lost weight, and they say the same thing. It's that it's, a, it's very different when you're working with someone in a partnership versus just going into a visit and getting and prescription. Being dictated right. to. Yeah, so right. It's, Absolutely. It's, it's more like a partnership. And then when they get to their goals, they really feel like they've accomplished things because they did, like, you know, they did do all the work, and we worked through all the problems. So it was a journey and not just. And it completely changed my life. I mean, I became a different person. I, uh, everything about me changed. I mean, um, I was just became a happy person. I, you know, in addition to all the meds, there was like three different antidepressants and just all mm-hmm. these various things. I became a, a much happier, nicer person. Um, um, and I just, you know, love being alive versus, you know, really not caring about the next day. So it, it changed every part of my life in every way. And, you know, I'll always be very grateful and thankful for that. Well, Dr. Preeti Kulkarni, I mean, you, you are doing some some magnificent work, and, and you're still practicing, I assume. People can come yes. find you, correct? Yes. So my practice is in Cupertino in California. Okay. And, uh, yep, the practice, I have a general practice, so I see patients of all ages, including obese children. Um, and um, I have some a lot of interesting stories, if you ever want to hear those, about the children who end up losing weight and feel confident, like yourself in yeah. high school. I have patients who are dealing with lowest, low self-esteem and all the the whole package that comes with being overweight. Bring it, bring it on, man. I love a good story because that's the thing. It's like I think somebody, even if they've lost weight, they still get fueled by other success stories that you hear because, again, you identify with what it is that they went through. You know how good that they feel, and you want other people to hear those stories so that they can experience that same kind of high and that same you know, resurgence of life. You know, so if you've got more stories, I've got all day to listen, but we'll bring you back on a future show. How about that? Sure, I'll be happy. Thank you for giving me this opportunity today. No, thank you. And and thank you for what you did with Eric, because oh, I mean, it's much. just amazing. He's he's turned into a, a heck of a friend. And obviously his story, it just it resonates with so many people. And, and, and you guys, man, to be honest, wow. for, you know, in his first visit, I would have never imagined him to be a marathon runner. I knew he would lose his weight and become healthy. But to go to the other end, that's that's really something. Did, when, when did you know that Eric was special? Like, was it was it? Visit number one? <laughs> Probably. Well, you know, he, all my patients are special. Each one uh-huh. is special in their own way. But uh, I can tell you because I always keep records of, you know, how patients are progressing in similar cases. Um, 
and I had three other patients who were uh, three, 200 to 300 pounds, two, 200 plus, you could say, 200 plus pounds. And he was the one who was on schedule. Like he would not miss an appointment. He would do everything I'd asked him to do. At the same time, he was, because of that, he was also on schedule with his expected weight loss. Uh, the other ones, not so much, yeah, but you know. Yeah. But again, like I said, everybody has a different life, and I think in one sense, I always uh, think about Eric's case. Like some things that were working against him, like his loneliness and you know living by himself, were also working in his favor because he didn't have to explain to a partner why he was changing his diet. He didn't have to give explanation to his friends he was hanging out with why suddenly he won't be eating cheese or he can't have pizza. So it was you know it was easier in some ways you know that was working for him, whereas others who are already in a social setup and living with others, it's a little bit difficult at times. So you see, isolation, all of that, it's it's never all bad, man. It's never all bad. There's always that silver lining, no matter how slight that is, man. So Eric, again, congratulations, man. I can't wait to, to track you in the Boston Marathon. That's that's awesome. Thank Can you I so much. Can I just mention one more thing? Oh, by all means. Because he said uh, he was 50 when he started seeing me, and his uh, do- prior doctor had said that in five years you're going to need a plot, a symmetry plot, and he just completed 60. I just turned 60. Just my man, 60. my man. So uh, 10 years later, I'm 20 years younger. <laughs> Dude, and you look it too. <laughs> just you to so look much. at you, I would not think 60. That's for dad on sure. appreciate that. Thank you. So, Eric, Dr. Preeti Kulkarni, thank you guys so very much. Thank you. Uh, thank you. I love hearing stories like that. Eric was one of the first guests we ever had on the exam room, and man, did that story stick with me. You know, every weight loss journey is unique, but there are parts that everyone who has ever been on one can identify with. And there is so much about Eric's story that resonated with me. The emotions of being so overweight and feeling so helpless are powerful. Here's what I've learned. You may feel alone. You may feel like the only person in the world who can't lose weight. You may feel like you too are destined for an early grave. But you're not. I thought I was going to be dead before I was 30 years old. I was 420 pounds at the time. And now I'm getting ready to celebrate my 37th birthday in just a few days. And the scale reads 140 pounds and I have never been healthier. And as we just heard from Eric, who was on more medications than he could count... He also thought that death was right around the corner, but he was able to overcome as well. Remember Karen's message from earlier in the show. For a lot of us, it boils down to accountability. Nobody is saying that it's going to be easy because it's not. But the only person who is trying to convince you that it's impossible is the person in the mirror. And if there's one message that you take away from this show, it should be that you have the ability, the fortitude, you have the power inside of yourself to make that change. Take it from a guy who has been there. I promise you that you have it. You 
absolutely do. And what the evidence continues to show is that a plant-based diet along with lifestyle adjustments gives you the best chance at achieving optimal health in the long run. If you have any questions about the show this week, you can find us on social media. Maybe you've got a follow-up question for Karen. I'm on Twitter, at Chuck Carroll, WLC, and the show is at PCRM. On Instagram, at Chuck Carroll, WLC, once again, but the show and the organization, it's spelled out this time, so look for at Physicians Committee. And one quick favor to ask, because we want to get our message and our research out to as many people as possible, and we need your help to do that. And one of the easiest ways that you can help is to head over to Apple Podcast, find the exam room by the Physicians Committee, and give it a five-star rating and subscribe to the show. Because when you do, when you give that show a high rating, you help us get this information, this inspiration out to as many people as possible. You literally can help change a life. And you can change it with just a couple clicks on your phone. Looking ahead to next week's show, get ready because we're going to be getting a little bit dirty as we take a deep dive into a big old pool of gut bacteria with Dr. Lee Frame. We know that they're there. And that allows us to ask questions that we never were able to ask before. Like what? Like what? Like, like well, what? Um, if you were on a low-fiber diet, what does your gut microbiome like? Like, And then what happens when we put you on a high-fiber diet? Ooh, how rapidly does that uh, gut microbiome change? That's a great question. So the gut microbiome is actually fairly stable uh, in terms of you have like a temporary dietary change, it will go back to its normal, but it also does actually respond to each meal. Really? Right. So if, you, if you're feeding them, they're going to get happy and multiply. So you gave them some fiber this meal, it, you, it will look different. But you have to kind of maintain that over a period of time for it to really be a permanent change. Wow. Okay. Learn a little something new every day. Um, I, I just want to keep bouncing around because it's it's like such a fascinating topic how it just it can control like so many facets of your being, like right down to your mood. Like mm-hmm. if your if your gut bacteria is not happy, you're not happy. True. I mean, what's what's the correlation there? You know, why why is there this hot wire between what's going on down here and what's going on up here? Yes, that's the gut-brain axis, which is really hot in science right now. Um, in part because we didn't really know that it existed. Mm. It wasn't until we started studying these bugs that we really realized what was going on there. Um, and actually, about 80% of your neurotransmitters are produced in the gut. Really? Which kind of blows your mind. Yeah. Um, and there is a nerve that directly connects your gut to your brain. Mm-hmm. So those neurotransmitters are reacting with that nerve and directly communicating with your brain. Cutting edge research coming on next week's show. It's all about the connection between your tummy and your brain. Very much looking forward to that conversation with Dr. Frame. But what a show this week has been. I'm so pumped up after this one, and I hope that you are too. My thanks again to dietitian Karen Smith, as well as Eric O'Gray and Dr. Preeti Kulkarni. And for everyone here at the Physicians Committee, I am the weight loss champion Chuck Carroll. Thank you so much for listening. And remember, keep it plant-based. <laughs>